Welcome to Kanan Podcast, episode number 30. I'm Tom Barthel, serving as your host for this episode. Also serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. We'll begin with God's Word for You by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 9, verses 1 to 13. Then Job replied, Indeed, I know that this is true, but how can a mortal be righteous before God? You might remember that the Hebrew of the book of Job is sometimes a little different than the Hebrew of the rest of the Old Testament. Certain words are more old-fashioned, and some even seem to be borrowed from other languages. When you remember that Job is the longest single poem in the Bible, it shouldn't surprise us to find unusual words. Anyone who knows what follows the words in Burns's poem, The Best Laid Schemes of Mice and Men, will understand what I mean here. Here Job uses a, an unusual, almost a weird word for truth, amnam. He'll begin his speech in chapter 12 with the same word, amnam, and he'll repeat it twice in chapter 19. In most cases, Job is talking about truth with some irony, as if to say, this is true, of course, but you're missing the point. Let's look at verses 3 to 7. Though one wished to dispute with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. His wisdom is profound, his power is vast. Who has resisted him and come out unscathed? He moves mountains without their knowing it and overturns them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and makes its pillars tremble. He speaks to the sun and it does not shine. He seals off the light of the stars. Here Job says many of the very things God will say about the storm at the end of the book. God's wisdom, his power, even his anger are vast. We cannot stand before God and hope to argue with him. He is holy. He is almighty. Can the sun or the stars go dark? Well, only if God wills it. That's his power. Verse 8. He alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. Remember when Jesus walked on the water, he showed his power as God and tested the faith of his disciples. The picture here may have been meant as a figure of speech, but it was fulfilled by Jesus to the exact letter. Verse 9. He is the maker of the bear and Orion, the Pleiades, and the constellations of the south. Job called one of the more prominent constellations Ayish, probably the Big Dipper or the fuller group called Ursa Major or the bear. Some translations, ancient translations, including the King James Version, thought this was a reference to the star Arcturus and not to a constellation of stars. Now the second name here is Kessel, the giant or the fool which is the man-shaped cluster that we call Orion. The third is Kima, which means heap or clump, which is probably the Pleiades, a little clump or cloud of stars that's kind of hard to see unless you're looking right at them. Orion and the Pleiades are also grouped together in Amos 5.8. And as I was saying, to our eyes, the Pleiades are difficult to see. They're a kind of a blurry cluster of stars near Orion that are actually easier to see, I think, when you're not looking directly at them but a little ways away. To find the Pleiades, imagine a line from Orion's belt that goes through his raised hand on the right and continue that line through a very bright star over his shoulder, which is Aldebaran, and about that far again into the night sky, and there you might be able to see a dusty sprinkle of dim stars. Those are the Pleiades, or the Seven Sisters. The word for south in the final phrase of verse 9 is Timan, 
which is so similar to the word Tomen or Tomim, the twins, that one wonders whether it's a reference to the constellation Gemini, the twins. That name Tomen for twins occurs in Genesis 25:24 for twins born there, and also in uh, references to twins in the Song of Solomon, like in 4:5 and 7:4. Another very real possibility is that the constellations or chambers of the south could be stars visible below the equator, stars more visible from T-Man and Arabia, and especially as we move down into Africa, such as the Southern Cross. There is no other reference to this constellation, uh, 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 T-Man, in Scripture. Verse 10, He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. Job is responding to Bildad, but this verse is an exact quote of something that Eliphaz actually said in chapter 5, verse 9. Job recalls it to turn the same wisdom on his friends. Listen to verse 11. When he passes me, I cannot see him. When he goes by, I cannot perceive him. Once again, Job is recalling something Eliphaz had said about a mysterious spirit passing by in chapter 4. Eliphaz didn't know who the spirit was. Job has no doubts at all that he is talking about God himself. Verses 12 and 13. If he snatches away, who can stop him? Who can say to him, what are you doing? God does not restrain his anger. Even the cohorts of Rahab cowered at his feet. The sea monster Rahab was associated with the Red Sea in particular, and maybe for this reason it is also a nickname for Egypt, and for wicked nations in general, as in Isaiah 51, the cohorts here are just helpers. The Hebrew word azrei, those who help, as in Psalm 121, is not a unit of Roman military strength. Latin would be cohorts, a tenth of a legion, or the detachment we find in John 18:12. No, God is in control of the universe. For those who want to argue with him or dispute with him, that's a problem. Too often they don't want to pay attention to what he says. When we listen to God, the first thing we need to remember is that our Creator has given us a place with Him in heaven, the hope that is stored up in heaven, Paul says, Colossians 1.5. That's why we pay attention to His Word. That's why we listen to His will and rejoice in His Son and then walk in His way. I'd like to just say something about the passage of time in the book of Job. Although there seem to be very few indications about the passing of time in the speeches of Job and of his friends, there are some hints that may be present in the text. To begin with, his friends came and said nothing at all for a week, seven days and seven nights, Job 2.13. After that, Job had spoken, Eliphaz and Bildad responded, and Job has or is responding to each of them. And now with talk about the stars coming out, we get the impression that perhaps night is falling on what I would call now the eighth day since the friends arrived. There are other hints later in the book that more days come and go, maybe 11 or 12 days in all, over the course of the conversations. We'll probably touch base on those as they come and go. But for now, in Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith, and this is God's Word for you. Next we have a hymn by Chris Dreisbach, Abide With Me. Fast falls the eventide, the darkness deepens, Lord with me abide, when other hands 
to its close ebbs out life's little day earth's joys grow dim its glories pass away change and segment, Passage and Prayer, is shared by Pastor David Beckman. Isaiah 49, 14 and 15 But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, the Lord has forgotten me. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. Dear Father in heaven, how easy it is to feel forgotten. That's especially true in our suffering. People stop visiting. Friends stop calling. It's so easy to think that you too have forgotten us. Why else would we have so much trouble in life? Keep those thoughts far from our hearts, dear Father. Let us flee to your promise that your committed love to each of us is greater than a mother's love for her child. You sent your own Son to make us your own. You adopted us in our baptism. Let those promises stick in our hearts with unshakable trust. Help us to see that you never leave us or forsake us, 
Give us the confidence that you are with us in all the hardships of life and that you use them with your fatherly love to draw us closer to your side. Keep our eyes on our eternal goal so that we are sure that our Savior waits for us at heaven's gate to welcome us home because of your committed love. As you do not forget us, let us not forget you, but daily turn to you for your strength, comfort, and reassurance, which are ours in Christ Jesus. We come to you in his name and ask this as your dear children. Amen. The Lord sees and hears your misery. Genesis 16, 6-16 Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from, and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. So she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Ber Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Barad. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son which she had borne. Abram was eighty-six years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. On occasion the count of Abram will sidetrack. Other accounts will be mentioned of other people. We read of brief accounts for people like Ishmael and like Esau, but it will always return quickly to the main story, the line of the promised Jesus. But this sidetrack does give us important information, not just the ancestry of nations which would later plague Israel in the future and be a spiritual snare to them. It also gives us the history of a God who interacts in mercy with all the people of this world. The Lord heard Hagar's misery. The angel of the Lord is recognized by Hagar to be the Lord himself appearing to her. Of all the people that he chooses to visibly appear, it is to this outcast handmaiden, Hagar the Egyptian. The message is clear. God had seen the sin of Sarai. He saw Hagar's despising her mistress. He saw the injustice which followed. Yes, he certainly did. He even saw more. He saw the future outcome of Hagar's offspring. He knew the troubles which Ishmael's descendants would bring against Israel. Here he prophesies of the hand of Ishmael against his brothers, fulfilled clearly in his descendants. Still, God is merciful and gracious. Hagar's son will not only have a place to live and a chance at life, God promises to bless him too. In the meanwhile, Hagar can live under God's protection and with his promises. Back in the calling in life she now had 
as the mother of Ishmael, maidservant of Sarai. That's the kind of Lord we have. He seeks out the lost. He's concerned for the downtrodden and brokenhearted. He sees, and he comes with gracious words as he speaks to us in the Bible. He promises, and his promises lift up the crushed. His willingness to reveal himself amazes us, who, like Hagar, are really outcasts from the family of God. He invites us to return to his care. He tells the believer and his disciple to submit to his plan, to trust his word. When Jesus appeared to redeem this world, he displayed this same kind of heart. God's Son came as he comforted the lost and the shepherdless. He preached of the mercy of God for the lost sinner. He made the gospel invitation for the one who trusts in him to enjoy living under his protection and with his promises. He is the God who sees you. The Lord sees you, hears your misery. The Lord will, in grace, give you his rest. The following mission blog is shared from blogs.wells.net. It was posted on July 5, 2013. Building with Living Stones Hammers and nails, stones and sand, trolls and cement, chalk lines and plumb lines. All these things are very familiar to silage fury. After all, these were the tools of trade for a dozen years. From 1990 till 2002, silage was a builder of both houses and bridges. He still is a builder. He just doesn't use the same tools and materials anymore. Now his tool is the gospel and word and sacrament. He no longer is constructing houses of brick. He's building the house of God with stones that are living. Silage is currently building upon a foundation that has already been laid in Malawi's northern region, leading city of Muzuzu. He has been the pastor of St. Michael's congregation for about four years. Silage was glad to be a pastor in the Lutheran church as he reflected upon his earlier years of his life when he was putting up houses and bridges, he had this to say, I don't know how my life would have been if I would have been at home with my work of the builder. He then thoughtfully added, This I mean in terms of temptations. He's thankful, he's thankful that the Lord gave him strength to resist and forgiveness when he didn't. Though the temptations were great, God was greater. Silage cited an example of the greatness of God. When my dad died, Silage believes that the greatness of God was shown when his father passed away. He explains, I was just four years old when my father died. I didn't realize it at the time, but this was a crucial turning point for me. You see, my father's family was from the tribe called Yao. He was also a Muslim. I'm firmly convinced that I would also be Muslim today, just like my father, had my father not died. The influence of a Muslim father is very strong. But our great God had other plans. It's sad to think that Silage's father died without faith in Christ. However, because his father did die, it meant that Silage's mother was free to bring up the children in her religion, Christianity. Despite growing up under his mother's care, Silage still felt unsettled in his mother's Presbyterian church. He had heard about the Lutheran church and longed to know more. One day he happened upon a book about Martin Luther. From that day on he was drawn to the Lutheran faith and church. There was one obstacle. The Lutheran church was 24 kilometers away from his house. 
but being a determined person, Silage committed himself to making the trips to that church. Then, to his surprise, he discovered that there already was a Lutheran church in his own area. The congregation was relatively small and unknown at the time, but it was there. He didn't have to make the 48-kilometer round trip too many times after all. From then on, Silage was found at the Lutheran church each week. It was a thrill for Silage to take the classes and learn about the scriptures. Reformation Day is extremely special for Silage because it was on that day in 1992 that he was baptized and confirmed. The Lord was building his house. At the same time, the Lord was building Silage's personal house too. God brought a special young lady, Joyce Schwaba, into his life and they were married that same year, 1992. The Lord has blessed them over the years with three children, Mary, Joel, and Moses. Three more living stones in the house of God. And the house keeps getting bigger. As of last year, there were 160 baptized and 70 confirmed members at St. Michael's. God is doing a lot of building through the work of our Lutheran Church of Central Africa called Workers. Once again, this was shared on blogs.wells.net. You can also see photos if you visit the website, wells.net. We'll close with another hymn by Chris Dreisbach, Just a Closer Walk, from his album, Hymns for Him. I am weak, but you are strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be Dear Lord Let it be Through this world of toil and snares Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but Thee, dear Lord, none but Thee. Just a closer walk with Thee. is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be Dear Lord Let it be When my feeble life is old Time
guide me gently, safely to your kingdom shore, to your shore. Just a closer walk with me. Granted, Jesus is my You've been listening to Canaanbound Podcast, episode number 30. For more information, visit canaanboundpodcast.com. For this episode, we'd like to thank Chris Dreisbach. Two songs were shared from his album, Hymns for Him. Visit chrisdreisbach.com to find more information and how you can order his music. This episode was first shared in July of 2013. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Thanks for listening. They didn't understand the things he said now, but they wanted to follow, so he told them how. Turn your back on this world, take up your cross, come follow.